Good morning, Eastside family and friends. So glad you joined us online this morning. Uh, in this continued time of testing, uh, one of the, uh, the passages of scripture that came to mind and one of my favorite books was James. And I uh, thought I'd do something a little different this morning. On Wednesday nights in the past, we have just gone verse by verse through the Bible and I thought because of what James is addressing in chapter 1 that we would go through the book of James. It's a short book. It's only five chapters. And, um, and we'll, uh, we'll tackle that uh, as we go uh, th through the next weeks, the weeks coming. So anyway, if you've got your Bibles, open with me this morning to James chapter 1. And we are going to just digest that this morning as we would on a Wednesday night. It says in verse 1, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when you think about a bondservant, you have to remember that a bondservant is different than a servant. So it's important that you, that you get that word right. Some translations just translate it as servant. But a bondservant in the, in the Jewish culture was somebody who in the year of Jubilee or the seventh year, uh, he, he would be... Uh, relieved of his duties as a servant for some reason he got placed in that that slave <coughs> excuse me servant role usually because of debt that couldn't be paid back or or just you know financial hardship so he's in this place but at the end of that time served he has the option for the rest of his life to serve this household and that's called a bondservant. Now, James calls himself a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a very interesting thought by itself because James is the brother of Jesus. And if you remember, it was his brothers who didn't believe. Matter of fact, they kind of ridiculed Jesus during his ministry on several occasions written in the, in the Gospels, uh, just kind of, saying, hey, man, if you're really the Christ, then why don't you do this? Or, or aren't you going to go do this because you say this is who you are? And, and it even comes out and says his brothers didn't believe. And this is one of the brothers that didn't believe. And James is now saying that he's a bondservant to Jesus, his brother. He has placed himself in servanthood for the rest of his life to Jesus Christ. And so he, he writes in, in verse 2, he says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now that's a verse that is, you know, it's interesting because how many of us count it joy when we fall into various trials? When trials comes, we don't count it joy. And I don't think he's saying count it joy that you fall into the various trials. Count it joy because of what those trials produce. But what I want to point out with this is that it says, Count it joy, brother, when you fall into various trials. Now, falling is something that's unexpected. You know, when you fall, you're, you're not planning the fall. <laughs> A fall comes unexpectedly, and it comes suddenly. And generally, it comes at the worst possible time. You know, you're walking down steps, you're, you're unloading the car with groceries, and you got glass in your hands and your bags or whatever, and you trip and you fall, or, or you're going downstairs and you trip and fall. Those, those things are, uh, come uh, unexpectedly, and they come suddenly. And, and what James is writing here 
he's, he's writing at a time when the church is in great persecution. It's about eight years prior to the total fall of and collapse of the temple and, and Judaism un, until 1948. And, uh, and what we've got here is uh, we've got him saying to us, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Why? Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Now, in the English Standard Version, what it says is, is knowing that, that the testing of your faith, so this is a test, this, this falling into this trial is a test, and it's a test of your faith, but what that test does and why you should count it all joy is because it produces patience. In the ESV, again, it says endurance. And so the testing of your faith produces endurance, but let patience or endurance have its perfect work. And so this, this testing of your faith is, is doing a work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. That word for perfect and complete and lacking nothing means that you're maturing. It's actually the, 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 the word, the Greek word that means mature. It can, you could also interject mature into that sentence. Now maturity really is this, being where you should be based on the time that you've been around. In other words, a, a five-year-old should act like a five-year-old, a 25-year-old should act like a 25-year-old, a 40-year-old should act like a 40-year-old. In other words, you, you are acting your age, is the way my mama used to put it. Well, the same thing is true with Christianism. The same thing is true with your walk of faith. You are where you should be based on the length of time you've known the Lord. That's what maturity means. And so here we are. We're, we're getting tested because of the fall, because of the trial. And what's being tested is our faith. But he says rejoice, be joyful, because as we endure that 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 work that endurance's work to to in and walking in that faith is able to make us complete lacking nothing and in this place james writes in this place of trial in this place of testing in this place of learning how to endure allowing endurance to do its work james says if any of you lacks, lacks wisdom let him ask God who gives to you liberally and without reproach. So in this midst of this hardship, in this testing, in these trials, as endurance is doing its work, how many would agree right now we need endurance? Right now we're being tested. It's the reason I chose this passage of scripture is because endurance is needed. And it is needed because we need to be found faithful in this enduring time. We, we are, our faith has been tested. JP spoke on it a couple of weeks ago. He, he just talked about the condition of the church. And when we remove the normal, we sometimes get lost because our faith is built on the wrong things or our, our experience is built on the wrong things. It's not really a faith in the relationship with Jesus and understanding his word and walking in that as much as it is a culture of the church that we go to or grow up in. And when we take away that culture, it, it shakes us to some degree. JP talked about it in great detail two weeks ago. 
But in this testing, in this trial, James says, if you lack wisdom, if you don't know what to do, if you don't know how to handle the situation, if, if you're shaken, ask God for wisdom. And God gives wisdom. He gives solutions, creative solutions. He gives you, uh, he gives you a pathway. He shines his light, his word on your feet, and he uh, lightens the path in front of you. He gives you direction. He says, he says he'll do that liberally and without reproach. Now, when you think about reproach, what you have to understand is that word is really taken from a place where, you know, when kids are on the playground and uh, maybe in, in elementary school or, or middle school, you know, we can be kind of tough on each other. And there's, uh, there's this idea of reproaches being, you know, being uh, mocking, uh, ridiculing, scolding, insulting, or being sarcastic towards someone on, 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 in this playground, childlike environment. And what it says here, what James says here in this passage of scripture is that when you ask God for wisdom, he will give it to you liberally and without mocking you for being in the condition you're in. He won't mock you or ridicule you or scold you for asking him for wisdom because you don't know what to do. He won't insult you. He won't come, come back with some sarcastic retort like some of us do. My wife's always told me that sarcasm is not a spiritual gift. And God is not a characteristic of God. And Because he, he says, if we'll ask for wisdom, he will not mock us or ridicule us. But he says, when you ask for wisdom, you need to do it one way. You need to ask in faith. You need to ask in faith, believing and not doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose he will receive anything from God. So what we need to know is that, that when, when we ask for faith, when we ask for wisdom, excuse me, then we've got to do it without doubting. Faith and doubt can't live in the same house. And what that does is if you doubt and you don't have faith that God's going to give you wisdom, God's going to give you direction, God's going to be with you, he's not going to leave you, God's got a plan to prosper you and not to harm you. If you don't have faith that God's in control, that God's in charge, that, that everything bows to God, if you don't have faith in that, if you doubt that, it says don't expect to receive anything from God. And so there's this, there's this testing of our faith that produces endurance. And when that endurance does its work, what, 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 what do we have to endure? We have to endure doubt. We have to understand that when we don't see things happen the way we think they ought to, that we don't need to take control on our own. We don't need to, we don't need to grab the wheel. We need to allow God to direct us and be patiently waiting enduring in the season, waiting on God's plan and provision to come to fruition. God's got a plan, and when God has a plan, he has provision. How do you know God's got a plan? When provision comes, you know that you're walking in the plan of God. And so he says you need to have faith, ask for wisdom, expecting it without doubting that God is going to give you 
solutions. He's going to direct your path. It says in, in Scripture that a righteous man's steps are ordered by the Lord. And so he says, he says that we can't doubt because if we doubt, we're tossed to and fro like, uh, like the ocean in the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. In other words, if you can't stabilize here, everything in your life is going to be shaken. So if you find instability, if you find yourself, you know, back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, maybe it's because you're doubting. Maybe it's because you aren't walking in the faith that God would have you walk in. And so let's skip down to verse 12. Verse 12, he goes on to say, Blessed, happy, supremely happy is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which is which the Lord has promised to those who love him. There's this crown that's coming when we endure temptation. Now, when I'm thinking about walking in faith, when I'm thinking about trials, when I'm thinking about making sure I'm counting it joy because I know that endurance is going to uh, work and it's going to produce godliness, it's going to produce glory, the glory of God in my life. It's going to produce the nature and the character of God. And then he says, blessed is the man who endures temptation. Well, what is the temptation? Well, one of the things he just wants to clarify, he says this, if you endure that temptation, then, then you're going to receive the promise. But don't let anybody say that, that God tempted them. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. God does not tempt you. He tests you. He tests your faith. But the testing is, and it's going to be described here in a minute. The testing is whether, or the temptation is, whether we're going to take the will, whether we're going to say something needs to be done. I need to do something. I'm done waiting on God. I don't really believe he's going to answer me. And then I am tempted by the evil one to take control. Or I'm tempted by my own desires to take control. This is what he says. Verse 14. But each one is tempted when he or she is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. When you think, or when I think, that we've come up with a better idea or a better way than waiting on God in faith, allowing, uh, allowing that, that, uh, that endurance to do its work so that we can be mature, complete, perfect, lacking nothing. If we've got a better way to complete that mission, that's temptation. We're tempted to not wait on God. We're tempted not to wait for his wisdom. And then he says this. So let's look at 14 again. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren, James says. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. It comes down from the Father of lights, which, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. I love that whole idea that God never changes. There's no variation or shadow of turning. He, he, is, he is reliable. 
He is integral. He has integrity. Integrity is he does what he says he's going to do. He, the two things meet. The, the th th how he is and what he says are the same. There's no variation. There's no shadow of turning. And so every good gift comes down for him, and he doesn't change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be the kind of first fruits of his creatures. And so this, this trial, this, this joy we should be experiencing when we're faced with tough times, the joy that we know is going to produce godliness, fruit, fruit of the kingdom, is produced when we have faith in him. Let's look at verse 21. He gives us instructions. He gives us things that we can do. He says this. He says this. Therefore, therefore is therefore because it's talking about the stuff ahead. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness. Ah, I'm sorry. I skipped. Forgive me. I skipped. <laughs> you're not, you're used to that. All right, good. Verse 19. Very important. Here's, here's your action steps. So then, because of what he just said just a minute ago, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, slow to wrath. For the wrath or the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Now what you see in this verse is a response. What happens is, is that we get so tired of the status quo, especially when we're in this trial for a given period of time. And we, and we just say, I'm so, I'm so tired of this. I'm so, I, I am just, I'm fed up. I'm angry. I'm going to vent. Somebody's got to do something. We've been sitting around way too long. We've got to do something. We do. We've got to put on the righteousness of God. We've got to endure through the trials. We've got to let that endurance do its work. He says, be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, because the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. If there's anything that I would love to tell our church and the church as a whole, count it all joy, you're in this trial. It, it is a testing of our faith. It's an uncovering of what we truly are in our hearts and in our mind's eye. It, it, it lets us see shining a light on, on our faith. And our faith is being tested. And are we going to pass the test? Are we going to wait on the Lord? Or are we going to take control of the will? Are we going to begin to do things on our own? Are we going to come up with our own ideas or our own way? Are we going to get fed up? Are we going to get tired of the same old, same old? Are we just going to set somebody straight? Are we going to allow our anger to take over? Are we going to allow our frustration take over? Are we going to allow the work of God to be produced, the righteousness of God be produced because our anger, our frustration 
And everybody wants to call it righteous anger. It's not righteous anger. It's an absence of faith. Faith in God's ability to actually do something supernatural in our time, in our day, in this situation. We see so many people saying so many different things. Let me just tell you, God's in control. God's in charge. God's got this. He's got you, and he's got this. But he's testing whether you're going to be joyful through the trial. He's testing whether you understand or not that you're being tested. Your faith is being tested. He's trying to figure out whether you're going to endure. He, 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 wants, to, he wants you to see whether you're going to endure. And he wants you to lean on him. He wants you to ask for wisdom because he gives it to you liberally. But you can't doubt. You've got to have faith. You've got to endure in that faith and watch God move. So in the meantime, in the meantime, you be quick to hear. You listen. You listen to the Lord. You listen to what's going on around you. You discern the spirits. You be slow to speak. And you'll be slow to anger. And then you'll produce the righteousness of God. Let me pray. Father, I thank you today that you are enough. I thank you that your spirit living in us can lead and direct us. I thank you, God. And I pray, God, that I'm able to live joyfully in this trial. I pray that I endure. I pray that I endure and I mature. I allow that endurance to do its work in me. And that I don't lose heart. I don't lose hope. And I don't take over. Father, I don't want to go away from you. And I don't want to get out in front of you. I just want to depend on you. And so I ask you right now, God, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, by your great grace, that I would endure this trial, that I endure it so that your righteousness can be produced. I would trust you. I would ask for wisdom. I would expect it liberally, and I would be, I would be willing to endure the trial so that it can do the work. That endurance can do the work in me. So I pray that for our audience today. I ask you, God, to do a work in us so that we'll be quick to hear you slow to speak, slow to anger, and produce the righteousness of God. I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, if you want prayer, if you want prayer, we've got a prayer line on our website, and you can go to that prayer and type in your prayer request. We'd love to pray for you. If there's any need you have, if you've got a testimony, we'd love to hear about it. We thank you for watching online. And uh, we invite you, we're doing, we're doing services, two services every Sunday. We invite you to come as, as you feel safe, but we certainly appreciate you watching online. God bless you, and we'll see you next week.